Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate. And this is Work Party a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, the podcast that's part work, part party. Work Party celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Have you ever wondered why, despite knowing the right thing to do with money, you do the opposite? Well, today I'm joined by the incredible Jack Howard, Senior Director of Financial Health and Wellness at Ally Financial to unpack this very question. According to Jack, our emotions are playing a bigger role in your money journey than you'd think. Jack's credentials include being responsible for the Ally Invest Inclusive Wealth Strategy. She's secretary for the Ally Charitable Foundation and serves as a member on the National Board of Directors for the American Bankers Association Foundation, Society for Financial Education and Professional Development, and the Boys and Girls Club of Michigan. But her personal experience with money is more relatable than you think. She's the kind of money monitor you've always wanted. So let's start. So welcome, Jack, to the podcast. So excited to have you. I would love to kick off with some background for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work at Ally? Yeah. So I've been with the company. It's been 13 or 14 years. What what do they say? Time flies when you're having fun. I'm not sure how long it's been. But I've been with the company for a while and started out in our corporate citizenship function as an associate manager, kind of worked my way up to from associate manager, manager, director, senior director. And that was the first 10 years of my career. Then I got the itch to do something different, went to my mentors and we kind of thought through what would be next for my career to continue to learn and grow. My professional North Star is helping black and brown people build wealth. So that has always been, you know, the guiding light for everything that I do in my career. And we landed on an opportunity for a stretch role with our invest business. So at the time, our president of Invest, um, her chief of staff was going out on maternity leave. So there was an opening for me to come in for, you know, a year, eight months or so 
to help out. So I did that. I always say run towards the things that scare you. And I was terrified, but I did it and decided to um, stay on the team and help launch our wealth business. So we have a advisory business where clients can go and talk to a human advisor about their wealth management. We launched that last March, so almost a year. And from there, most recently, I started working with our PR and marketing team in a new role for financial health and wellness. So it's been a blast the last 13 years or so of really building out understanding money and helping our community and our customers to understand it too. Amazing. Well, I love two things about that. One is th- this idea of a professional North Star. So smart. You know, I, I know people have missions in their career, but I really love that you put that at the top and then that's what you work toward. That's how you build your career is against that. And two is I love that you came to the company and said, guys, like I want to do something else. And they were able to deliver on something unique to you. So what does a director of financial health and wellness at Ally do on a daily basis? Yeah, so I mentioned it's new. So I'm new to the role, probably a weekend, and I'm still transitioning some of my work from Invest. But the goal is to serve as a strategic communications lead, um, a spokesperson on this topic, really building awareness that this even exists and how does it impact our customers and our community. Also supporting our financial literacy efforts with this work and our sponsorships and things like that from a marketing and PR perspective. So you know, it's going to be a fun ride. I will say check back in six months to see everything that we have completed, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a game changer for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to learn more about your philosophy around money and money mindset and psychology and how all those things tie together. So let's start with your personal journey with money. What's your first memory of money? Yes. So whenever I think of this, it makes me smile. So I am the daughter of a teacher and a police officer. I'm from Detroit. And uh, my mother, as a teacher, every two weeks when she got paid, my twin, I have a twin brother, my twin brother and I would go with my mom to her credit union and pull out $100. And this is for people before online banking, right? So you actually go to the credit union. We would pull out $100 and we would have a day of fun. So I remember this one day particular, we went shopping I got a little, a new purse. We went to Red Lobster for dinner in the movies. So for me, the my first memories of money, I think of my mother and I think of using money as a tool to create experiences. Absolutely. I love that correlation and that idea. Like I remember going to the bank, like this is, this is definitely part of it. Obviously now it's a little bit different, but I love that that was your first association. So how did your adolescence affect your experiences with money later on in life? Yeah. So, you know, adding to the story of my mother, um, unfortunately, she passed suddenly when I was about 12 years old. And my mother was the person. um, It's funny. My daughter this morning had book character day and I had to pull together this costume for her. So my mother was that for me, the person that made sure everything went right. My security blanket, my biggest cheerleader for my confidence. And when she passed, I lost a lot of that. I lost that stability, that security. And, you know, no shade to my father who did the best that he could, but he wasn't my mother. So for me, with my dad, we had a lot of ups and downs financially. There there were moments where we had a lot of money and moments where we didn't have enough. I remember instances where we were scrounging up money for lunch for my high school lunch. And at that moment, I was about 15 years old and I got out and got a, a worker's permit and got a worker's permit to work at the local McDonald's and I love that job. All my friends worked there. I worked, you know, I did everything too, from the fries to the burgers to cashier. 
And it was really a foundation for my work ethic moving forward and really the belief that no matter where you work, do your best because you never know who's watching you. From that experience, I was able to, the manager and owner of that store welcomed me to open a new store. And I've essentially been working ever since. I've had, you know, I'm the person in college where I had to pass on the, the party because I had to go to work, you know, had three jobs at a time. But for me, what that means for me today is I think the death of my mother, another layer to this, I'm also a breast cancer survivor. So for me with being a breast cancer survivor, that went through that ordeal when I was about 30 years old. So it instilled this, I have a deep commitment to YOLO. You only live once, right? Because I've, I know what it's like to, to lose people that you love at an early age. And also for my personal journey of you know, facing a life changing disease. So for that, I'm big on experiences. I'm big on spending money on friends and family. I'm big on luxury and things like that, which can impact your pocketbook. So those things help me to get to this place now of you want to buy something new, but is it really because you want that or are we addressing issues from your childhood of needing security? Or you want to strive for that new promotion and this new experience and work 24 hours a day. Is it really for the work or is this this work ethic thing that you have going on because you feel like you don't have security? So this whole journey of, of uncovering my money story and really going deep into my emotions around money, it's helped me to really unpack why I do the things with money. You know, having that understanding now has helped me to make different decisions. Ally believes in helping you make the most of your money so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter to you. With their digital tools and award-winning customer service, Ally gives you an easy platform to maximize your savings, invest on the go, and finance your home. That's how you do it right. To learn more, visit ally.com. Deposit and mortgage products offered by Ally Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS ID 181005. Securities offered through Ally Invest Securities. It's so fascinating. And I mean, first of all, your resiliency is incredible and so admirable. It's amazing. And it's just fascinating to dive in to know like money is really driven by a lot of emotion, a lot of experience from your you know, youth to, to your older age. I mean, my mom growing up was, um, you know, she was divorced at a young age, which at the time was not very common. And so she was all about, you know, she always told my sister, you need to have enough money to be able to leave any type of situation if you need to, like, you know, really instilled in us like that financial independence. And like that really drove me in a certain direction for from a finance perspective for a long time. But what questions should someone ask? themselves when they're trying to uncover their money story. Yeah. So I'm so excited to say we've started doing workshops here at Ally to help our customers and our community to unpack their money story. And we have just a few questions. It's the, the, the entire process takes about an hour. But the first thing we want to do is uncover your financial flashpoints. And what that means is I have you write out a timeline of the good points in your money history and the bad points. So let's just get a timeline. So for me, it would be my first money memory of going to the credit union. The next would be the money memory of my mother passing and getting a job. So kind of plotting those things out. From there, we want to start to talk about your money story, uncover. And it's crazy because when people plot out their money story, so many emotions come up. Because for me, it was joy of thinking about my mother and then the sadness of her dying. And I've taught this workshop where people are actually crying, thinking of, money could have been used for control, you know? So there's a lot of things that come up for you. So next in the, the process, we want to kind of work through that. What are some of the 
emotions and messages that come up for you, the financial influences you've had in your life. And then we summarize it in a couple of paragraphs. So I have my own money story that's about, you know, a page long. And then we want to reflect on any things that appear. Is there, you know, money is good, money is bad. Do any of those things come up for you? And then with that final question that kind of wraps it up is how does that money story impact your financial decisions today? Mm. And by the time we get to that question, everybody's mind is blown. It's <laughs> hard to connect the dots of, oh my God, I'm I'm not frugal because I like, you know, couponing. I'm frugal because I didn't have money as a child and it's, you know, it's impacted me in this way and I have this trauma. So it's, it really helps people to start connect the dots and really understand there's a quote that I love by Jay-Z, the great prophet and rapper Jay-Z. Um, you can't heal what you don't reveal. And with the money story, I think we all have been accustomed to thinking either I'm really good with money or I'm really bad with money. Mm-hmm. When in reality, or it's like, why are you bad at money? Why aren't you, why aren't you sticking to your budget and understanding your credit when we need to shift to what happened to you? What happened to you to make you this way? And when, for a, as a person, when you unpack the what happened to you, so many light bulbs go off as to why you have the relationship you have with money, which makes it so bigger than a credit score or mm-hmm. keeping to a budget. When you start to unpack those issues, you really begin to understand why you are the way you are. Oh, it's so fascinating. I, I love learning about this because I think that's, you know, money for a lot of people is a four letter word. You, you were not supposed to talk about it until very recently. I feel like now everyone on TikTok and Instagram is all talking about, you know, their money situations. But previous five, 10 years ago, it was not a conversation you had. No one was sharing salaries. No one was talking about, you know, what they were doing. So I think it's so vital that this role has come come to come to mind. So how can people start to reframe their mindset around their money and their problems? Because I think money mindset is so, so specific. And obviously, if you're coming from this place where you go through your money story, you find your trigger points, how can you change? Yeah, I think for me, it's been unpacking the money story. And that could be like a lifelong quest of connecting the dots on that, going through that process, understanding my money personality. As I mentioned earlier, I'm more of a spender. I'm more of a person who looks for experiences. So knowing that and putting guardrails around myself to protect myself. So with me knowing I'm a spender, I'm automating everything. So I'm automating my 401k, my employee stock purchase program, my savings, my kids' tuition, everything's automated to kind of get me out of it. And then uh, another step that I've taken in this journey is doing the five whys. So for me, it'll be, so I, I just got this new haircut, right? And I want these sunglasses, these expensive sunglasses to match it. And it's not in my budget right now. And I had to, from being on this money journey and unpacking my money story, I had to unpack, why do you really want these sunglasses? So it was Jacqueline. Why do you want these sunglasses? Because I got a haircut and I think it'll be cute. Jacqueline, why do you want these sunglasses? Because I want other people to say they like my sunglasses and think it's cute. Jacqueline, why do you want these sunglasses? Because I want approval from others. So when you unpack it that way and get to like, oh, that's a heart issue. That's a me issue. That's a self-confidence thing. Or it could be the opposite of wanting to take a vacation. Jacqueline, why do you really want to spend a gazillion dollars going to Hawaii? Because I want to spend time with my family. Why do you want to spend time with your family? Because I know life is short and I may not have this time in the future. What's really important to me is spending time with my family. And I don't have to go to Hawaii to do that. I could do that by walking to the park. So for me, and that's not to say I'm never going to take a trip to Hawaii because I don't want to put that out there. I am going to spend money on something. 
But I will say that for me, it also has helped me to get rid of the shame of being that person who likes those things. Because I've always aspired to be this more frugal person. And I'm not. I'm not that frugal person. But there's a reason why. I have a history of life experiences that have made me the way that I am. I can protect myself by putting up guardrails. And now I'm doing the emotional work to when these things pop up that are not in alignment with my financial plan. I'm getting to the root of what do I really need? Is it security? Is it relationships? Is it more time with my kids? Do I need to pull back on working? So when you get to kind of like those root needs that you have, it helps to change the money conversation. So I would say we shift this conversation and start applying it by addressing the root issues that we have and how it really shapes our decisions. Ally is proud to be this year's presenting sponsor for the Create and Cultivate 100 list. We're inspired by the work these women are doing every day to pave the way for future generations. Today and every day, Ally empowers women in their lives and finances with ways to save for what matters most. We're all better off with an Ally. Learn more at ally.com. Something you talk about a lot is the four money personalities in Brad Clote's money script. So that's money avoidance, money status, money worship, and money vigilance. So tell us about these personalities. Yeah. So money avoidance, that's a person. Money is evil. I don't need money. I don't want any money. Money corrupts. You know, that's that person. So you you are not into money because you think it's bad. The money worshiper or money focus, that's me. So that's the pun, the person. Money will solve everything. If I just make more money, it'll fix everything. If I work more hours, if I get a bigger bonus, if I get another job, It'll solve everything. So that's that person. That's me. (laughs) That's what we're the same. We're the same. We're the same. (laughs) So, and then with money status, that's more of the person like you're looking, my net worth is my work. So, you know, you're flashing on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. That's more, it gives me status and really helps to build my self-esteem. And then the vigilance person is more the person who is, a avid saver. They're really mm. vigilant with money. Out of all the scripts, this is the one that is probably the better script, but all of them have ceilings and basements, right? So even with being a money vigilant person, you can you can go to the, the other spectrum of it and be a, a hoarder of money where you never enjoy money. You never experience the money because you're in, in constant fear of losing it. So I think for everyone, and, and what this process has really helped me to understand is not having shame for being any of these. It's more of acceptance and awareness. Like if I know I'm a money focused, money worshiper person, I know that I got to carve out time for vacations with my family and I can't work through my vacation. I've been known to take my computer on vacations. So now I'm with the mindset of like, no, I need to be present. I need to enjoy this because work isn't everything. So it's, you know, like what I said with Jay-Z, you can't heal what you don't reveal. So for me, it's brought a, a you know, awareness to these things and now I can address it. Amazing. Yeah. It's so fascinating because I think my parents, or at least my mom is a money vigilance person, but I think that's also because she grew up with, you know, her mom going through the depression. So it's like this, it is just this like really ongoing, you know, experience, trauma, childhood, all these things that play into this. So it's absolutely fascinating, but let's talk to, or let's talk about closing the wealth gap. So you have a deep commitment to closing the wealth gap. So for people who don't know, can you tell us what the wealth gap is and how does money psychology impact the wealth gap slash lack of wealth in the black and brown community? Yeah, so essentially there is a disparity among black and brown communities and white communities in their net worth. So when you subtract your assets minus your liabilities, that's what your net worth is. And um, there are studies out there where even for college educated 
Black individuals, there's still a wealth gap of about $315,000. There's even stats out there that the, a person who has a college education still has a lower wealth gap than a person who is white with a high school education. A Black person still has a lower one. So essentially, it's the the you know, the systemic issues that we have in America that resulted from slavery. So when mm-hmm. you think of things like the Jim Crow laws, the 1874 Freedmen's Bank, the Tulsa massacre, discriminatory policies of redlining, all of that has contributed to this big chasm of the lack of wealth building in the Black community specifically. So when we think of money psychology from that aspect, and this is so fascinating to me, and there, there isn't a ton of work on it yet, which is why I'm so excited to be in this new role. I like looking at when we, we first started our conversation, we talked about the moments in my life of money. There's this concept also of ancestral flashpoints. So for me, when I think about money, I shouldn't only think about those memories of going to the credit union. I also need to think about what my ancestors, my great grandmother, great, 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 you know, who were slaves and sharecroppers as me being a African-American woman, what were their experiences with money? And how was that passed down to me mm. today? So there may be a lack of trust of banks. There may be a lack of conversations about money. And I've, I've come to this epiphany because I used to, you know, really dog out my parents for not talking to me about money. Mm-hmm. But I just came to this realization most recently that they didn't have the privilege to talk to me about money because they didn't have the money. <laughs> you know, like I think my generation, and you can probably say the same thing, my generation is just getting to a place now where we have enough disposable income to even think about investing, to mm-hmm. think about, you know, how do I build a retirement? And we're the first generation that has to build our own retirement. My mm-hmm. mother and father had pensions. Um, so it's all those things, right? So I didn't talk about the capital markets with my parents because they had pensions. Whereas other families may have had that exposure. So when we think about the black and brown communities and money psychology, I, I really love this idea of going deep into our ancestral history, these ancestral mm-hmm. flashpoints to see how all of these moments in history that have built systemic racism and the wealth gap, how does that impact us today? How does that create financial trauma for our community? And I mm-hmm. think these really haven't been explored when we think about the wealth gap. Yeah. I mean, these conversations just haven't been had. So it's so important, you know, the work that you're doing. Uh, I found this horrifying in many ways, but in 2020, the Washington Post found the financial gap between blacks and whites was still as wide as it was in 1968, the year that the Fair Housing Act was instituted in response to centuries of social and economic inequality of African-Americans, which we all know, like real estate is, you know, the most obvious way to build wealth. So in your opinion, how do we close this wealth gap? I know it's a massive ask, but like, what are some of the things that people can do or that, you know, truly these like larger corporations and government can do? Yeah, this is my professional North Star, as I mentioned earlier, and it really reflects this journey I've been on in my career. There was at one time I thought financial literacy was the answer. So if we teach everybody to understand budgeting, credit and, you know, saving more than you spend and all these things, that's the answer. And I'm like, well, maybe that's not just the answer. Then I moved into financial social inclusion, and that really goes into what are the systems in place with banks and just our government, all these things. Um, that make it, you know, difficult for people to um, to build wealth because there may not be it may not be accessible. They may not feel welcomed. When you think of redlining, that's the opposite of financial inclusion. 
And then I got to this point now with the money psychology, that might be an answer. But all that to say, there isn't one answer. There isn't a silver bullet. You know, it's a, a big problem. We have to respect the problem. We've been, you know, dealing with this since slavery. Mm-hmm. So my approach is more so, you know, I definitely encourage people to look at wealth building opportunities. So do your research on real estate, do your real estate on the capital markets. I think knowledge is power. But for me specifically, it's how, what what do I own in this? So for me, my fight in this is I'm going to educate as many people as I can, build mm-hmm. awareness, you know, from teaching financial literacy for the last 10 years and moving into investing now into this new role. I think so much of it is taking the hands, handholding, like I'm going to drag you along with me on this wealth journey, even comparable to what I did graduating from, from college and creating the money group. So we need more conversations like that where we can expose our friends and family to the things that we're learning. And will we close the wealth gap overnight? I think no. But I think the education, the work that we're doing at Ally, it really helps people to understand the pathways to get there. And then we can start addressing the issue. Set your goals and blow them away. From building an emergency fund to driving down debt, Ally has resources to help you reach your goals. Visit ally.com to learn how you can make the most of your money so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter to you, digitally, financially, personally. We're all better off with an ally. So obviously we've talked about like ourselves, our moms, you know, obviously our ancestors, but let's talk about the younger generation, you know, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. You know, what do we, you know, how do we adjust these teachings to help them? Because I've seen studies that say, you know, this is the first generation that is not creating wealth for themselves. I mean, work has fundamentally changed. You talk about pensions, we talk about 401k. I don't even think they're that's on their radar. So so how do we need to, you know, kind of talk to them about this wealth building opportunity? You know, something I think that is missing in this conversation is empathy. And by doing this work with money psychology and behavioral finance, it really has shifted how I talk about it. So and you know, previously when I was teaching financial literacy, it was, you know, you gotta do this, you gotta do, 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 and don't, 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 you know. And now I'm coming at it from a place of empathy of tell me why you do that. What happened to you when you were younger that made you think of it this way? So I think overall, we need to shift to a place of empathy and listening. What are the young people saying that they want to learn about money? Um, Because how they're learning is different than how I learn it. So I have a a 14 year old who is having a very different aspect of money than I did because I'm having conversations with him. I'm including him with meetings that I have with my financial planner. He's a part of the financial discussion of our family, but he goes to TikTok. So he goes to TikTok for all he, all of his studying. He was studying for a history test last week and he, he just searched it and pulled up all the videos on the topic. So I also think we got to be creative in how we deliver the content. So, you know, gone are the days of a PowerPoint presentation and me standing up and lecturing to you about what you should do. Um, so I think social media is a big thing. We've seen the rise of influencers who are delivering so much of this information now. And I think it has to be entertaining. I'm a huge fan of Earn Your Leisure. They're a, a group of podcasters that teach financial education. But what I love about them is they've combined financial literacy with hip hop. Like it's like financial awesome. literacy for the culture. So I think more of that, how do we bring this topic that is often taboo and frustrating, can create a lot of shame. How do we make it, you know, for a lack of better words, cool 
How do we make it relatable? How do we meet people where they are with content that they can understand and appreciate? So I think more of that needs to happen. And also in that process, just having empathy that, you know, we, none of us are amazing at money, right? Just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're great at it. So having empathy that we're all on this journey and we're in different places and we all have backgrounds in money that have gotten us to where we are. And um, I think the work that is happening right now in the industry with money psychology and behavioral finance, all that we're seeing with social media is definitely going to shift the conversation. So it'll be a different, a different reality for my kids. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So incredible. I will have to check out that TikTok account because um, there's just people doing amazing stuff out there and really breaking it down in a way that we haven't seen before. So what's next for you? What are you working on right now? What are you excited about? So I'm building financial health and wellness at Ally. So more to come on that. Um, Check back in six months with all of the amazing things that we'll be doing. Follow my Instagram is Jack Howard Gems. Um, on Instagram. So follow me there. You know, I'm just excited to do more with this work in our community, building awareness about it and really helping people to heal on this topic. Absolutely. So let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Financial wellness means? Freedom. Freedom. An easy money mindset shift is? Asking why. And my favorite splurge is? Food. Oh, yes. Same. I love it. We are we are literally the same person. I love it. Um, So where can listeners connect and follow you and learn more about Ally? Yes, you can follow us at ally.com. My social media is Jack Howard Gems on Instagram. So I'm there. Follow me. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me And, and congrats on all the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.